This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Hey, this is Bridget, and you're listening to Stuff Bomb Ever Told You. And quick trigger warning for y'all. This episode is about alcohol. So if that is something that is tough for you or that you're struggling with, just know that's what we're talking about today. My good friend Annie and I are taking a look back on some of the episodes that we really liked, one of which was Women and Whiskey. I loved this one, Bridget. It was so fun to hear you and Emily let loose a little bit yeah. um, with your Rodham Rye, which I am determined to try. There's a half a bottle in my apartment as we speak. We can go have some. I you're going to regret asking me. <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> I am a big whiskey connoisseur, but probably not really. I enjoy a lot of whiskey is what I'm trying to say. And I was really interested in the history of it. And this episode did not disappoint. Yeah, I had no idea that that whiskey had such an amazing feminist history. So that was really interesting to learn about. I also didn't know about the history of whiskey and sex work, which was a complete surprise to me. That was really, really interesting research. I also just really liked drinking whiskey on the microphone. Uh, I think it's okay to tell the listeners that you and I are having a little bit of a drink right now in studio. So if we sound a little loosey-goosey, that might be why. Uh, I think it's it's fun. It's fun to go back and listen to that episode. I feel like I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, uh, and it was such a joy to hear. And also, I love the... Uh, right now, there's Jane Walker. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Oh, no? Okay. Well, Johnny Walker has introduced Jane Walker, a different label, just a different label on the product because they, they thought that women are intimidated by whiskey. So they wanted to be like, hey, ladies, cool. So it's the same product, it's a different label? Just Jane Walker. Yeah. How dumb do they think women are? Pretty pretty dumb, (laughs) I would guess. (laughs) But it's, it's fascinating to me that women were so instrumental in early whiskey and the making of and selling of and transporting of. But it has become this man's drink. Mm -hmm. It's seen that way. And I think when women drink whiskey, the perception is, oh, she's a cool woman. She's a sexy, dark, you know. She's a cool girl. Exactly. They've got these whiskey commercials on TV now with Mila Kunis. And in these commercials, it's Mila Kunis, who is clearly like a a sexy, beautiful woman. And she's at the bar looking very mysterious. Another woman is at the bar and and she looks at a coaster that has a whiskey brand on it. I think it's Johnny Walker Black, but I can't remember. And Mila Kunis says, it's not just a coaster, it's an invitation. And the woman is like, oh, I should order a whiskey. And then she looks up and Mila Kunis is gone. 
was she ever there in the first place? Who knows? Black Swan. Yeah, it's very again. It's so it's it, it's clearly we're clearly meant to think that women who drink whiskey are mysterious. They're not dark, like other and, girls. Yeah, they're not like perhaps they're magical in some way, right? And yeah, that's obviously bullshit. I mean, I drink whiskey, but I drink all the things. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm drinking, an equal opportunity drunk. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. just kidding. <laughs> I enjoy a wide range of liquors, but I will say that when I drink whiskey, when I order it at a bar, there's usually at least one guy that looks my way and gives me an assessing like up and down and then maybe a a wink or something as if I've done some amazing thing by ordering this whiskey. So he's like, oh, you're all right, honey. Yeah. Like, what, oh. if, you had, what if you had ordered a vodka soda? He'd be like, oh, oh yeah. He vodka po- soda. Probably. What a nag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be with her. She's not going to be any fun at all. <laughs> and I, I personally am fascinated with those kind of gendered food and drink items. Like, women are traditionally associated with lighter, clearer alcohols and men the darker kind, and when you think about, I think you talked about it in the episode, like Mad Men, mm-hmm. they were drinking whiskey in their office, and the women, no, not allowed to participate in that. Clear liquors only, please. Yeah, I mean, are you a woman or not? <laughs> <laughs> and if, I like your 20s lady accent. I am glad to hear that, because you'll be uh, getting a lot, of, a lot of doses of it, because I love doing it. The transatlantic accent is so fun to do. It's divine. I like it. It is. But I don't, that... Association with a woman who orders whiskey or, or this darker drink that women don't normally drink, in quotes, and then you put all these kind of assumptions on her, and I feel like one of them is she must um, she'd be good for for sex and nothing else. Yeah, that is one of the perceptions that we put on women who drink the, who drink whiskey. I think. Yeah, and it's so kind of strange because. As you talk about in this episode that you listeners are about to hear, uh, women were so integral to bringing it to people. You were the ba- women were the backbone of why we drink whiskey today. Yeah, but it's somehow become lost from from us. But I do think we are reclaiming it slowly. Yeah, there are so many rad women in whiskey. Um, yes, in DC, the rod and rye that we were just talking about wanting to enjoy is made by a rad woman-owned whiskey distillery in D.C. called Republic Restoratives, where a proceed of the whiskey all goes to Emily's List, which is very yeah, cool. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, you, I do think that you see a resurgence of women reclaiming our rightful spots in the whiskey empire. Yes. And you're going to hear Emily and Bridget unpack all of this so beautifully. And a little drunkenly. Yes, in the upcoming episode. So, enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. Today, we have the really challenging topic to cover for you here today. We really went above and beyond to stretch our researching skills when it comes to the fascinating history of and future of whiskey and women. Yeah, don't ever say that we never, you know, did hard work (laughs) in service of our podcast because we're telling you right now, we're here with a bottle of very nice whiskey Mm -hmm. and we're going to taste a little of it. So just know that we... If we sound extra interesting today, that's why. (laughs) Because we are sipping on 
a phenomenal bottle of Rodham Rye. You might have heard this make the news. That's Rodham as in Hillary Rodham Clinton uh, from the Republic Restoratives, uh, a local D.C. distillery that probably gifted us this beautiful bottle because they know knew we would be sipping on it on air. Um, but we are thrilled to be tasting this throughout today's episode, you know, for research. For research. But I also, on a serious note, before we go any further, I do want to make a little bit of an announcement just as a trigger warning for anyone out there who is struggling with alcoholism, addiction, who is, uh, you know, really committed to sobriety. This is probably an episode you want to skip, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to miss anything earth shattering, and we want to make sure that you protect your sobriety. So if that sounds like you, this would be a good time to say adieu, and hopefully we'll, we'll We'll hear you catch again. Catch you on the next we'll one. We'll catch you on the next one. Um, but for those of us who, I'm, I'm, so I'm biased on this episode. My bias that I'm bringing to this is that I'm a big whiskey drinker, and I'm looking at Bridget here, who's making a bit of a face. Well, okay, let me back up. So I actually <laughs> like whiskey. The reason why I don't love whiskey now is because I like it too much. You know, when you have a bad experience with yeah. an alcohol, I'm like. So I yeah, everyone has one. Yeah, yeah, mine is I'm like and that's the thing is like when I go to bars, I love a whiskey shot really? because like yeah, shot? I I still I I rock it college style. I'm still doing shots of Jameson. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, we have a different way of appreciating whiskey then. <laughs> but she's a beer connoisseur. I'm, so just so you know, Bridget's like if we ever do an episode on beer, Bridget's oh, going to have me licked. Yeah. yeah. So this is a fun episode because I'm already feeling more fun right now, first yeah. of all. Um, it's the whiskey. I'm having a bit of fun here. But um, I want to break down what can sometimes be a little bit of an intimidating liqueur for women, especially. There is a traditional masculinity to this drink. Don't you agree? Like, I think so. I think that we associate, um, I certainly associate whiskey with with masculinity. Oh, you just, Emily just made a face. I, need, I needed to breathe. <laughs> I inhaled in my glass for a second. No, but it's true. Like, there has been a traditional male association. This feels like a power broker's drink. Um, I like to drink mine on the rocks. We're drinking it neat today. Yeah. But, like, drinking a glass of just bourbon feels like a grandpa move. Yeah, I mean, it's a throwback to me of, like, if you ever watched the show Mad Men, like, how executives are, like, drinking a whiskey at, like, 4 o'clock. Not 4 o'clock. At, like, 12 o'clock. I mean, if I I had a whiskey at noon at work, I would need to go home sick. Right. Well, (laughs) is that not what we're doing? I mean, it's... it's, (laughs) Yeah, it's all right. Slightly different. But um, here's the thing. There's a fascinating history behind women and whiskey, and the the genderization of this beverage is really, really interesting. And I want to start... Um, by talking through prohibition. I think that's a good area to pick up this story. Lord knows the story goes back further, which we will. But during prohibition, um, this was a drink commonly served in gentlemen's parlors. Well, I, I shouldn't say during. I should say before prohibition. Right. This was a drink served in gentlemen's parlors, and women pretty much didn't uh, weren't allowed in there, were not showing their face, especially Ladies. Ladies. Real ladies didn't show their face there. So what kind of ladies were there were were associated with there that? There were then? a particular think of like um Boardwalk Empire, right? Okay. The women who were in gentlemen's clubs were professionals. Yes. If you know what I mean. Working girls. They were working girls. So these were there was a very strong association between a whiskey drink, which is pretty much exclusively served in bars and in and gentlemen's parlors, and prostitution. 
So the connection of sin was very easy for people to make during Prohibition. Sure. Because it was easy to say, you know, this is the liquor of the devil and this is associated with loose women. And if you wanted to be a nice lady, this wasn't the kind of drink that you would ever be around. Um, Which I think is a big part of the reason that it was associated for gentlemen's only terrain. Right. That's so interesting because I hear a lot of... Like, even today, I hear a lot of women say things like, oh, dark liquors. Like, the idea of, like, a a drink like vodka or gin being, like, a drink for ladies. Yeah, it's like Gimlet. Yeah, Yeah. it's like more, more, yeah. And this, I love Boardwalk Empire, so I'm, I'm biased on that front, too. I keep thinking of Boardwalk Empire because during Prohibition, bootleggers were, like, the black market was big, yeah. right? Because no one really stopped drinking, or very few people actually stopped drinking. It just became illegal, um, which we should talk about legalization mm. in another department at some point about that, too. But so what's interesting here is, and this is a quote um, from, is it the NPR article I think I wrote? I, I didn't write. I read um, prostitutes were, in fact, some of the biggest powerhouse saleswomen in the United States, right? So Johns, as they call them, would come in, and the prostitutes would start getting them liquored up in these gentlemen's clubs. Which makes sense if you're trying to make money. They earn commission. They do do that in, like, like, you know, if if you're a girl who, like, dances, like, that's a common thing. During this time, prostitutes legally sold whiskey and earned significant commissions for their brothels that they worked in at the time. So in New York City in the 1850s, for instance, women made made more than two million a year in liquor sales. Oh my gosh. Which is close, uh, close but not quite as big as the three million that they were making for sex. Wow. Right? So yeah, but it's like it's interesting how the two kind of like industries go hand in hand. Exactly. And so this comes right out of this fascinating Atlantic article about women making Whiskey and, you know, back in the day, it, this, of course, caught the attention of the temperance movement ladies who were the actually, you know, socially acceptable ladies right. who played a key role in prohibition from 1920 to 1933. Um, and during this time, you know, bootleggers also made a ton of cash from the selling of whiskey. Many of the leading bootleggers were, in fact, Women. Oh, I love that. Okay, someone needs to. I mean, I don't watch Boardwalk Make Empire, but someone needs to yeah. pitch a show about lady bootleggers. Lady bootleggers. I would watch that. Mm. Wait, so I sh- would I. <laughs> You're really appreciating this whiskey. It's really good. It's rye whiskey, which mm. is not usually my bag. I'm more of a bourbon girl, but I have to, you know, I have to expand my horizons. I have to expand my palate. It's really quite lovely. It's nice. Mm. It's smooth. Smooth. It's it's a blend of two different kinds of whiskey, which we'll talk about more, but. Uh, what I found fascinating here to go back to the bootlegging component. Did, did you need some? I want some. Okay, give me, give me. Uh, I'll pour it up. Pour it up. Pour it up. I'm doing it. Um. All right. Kudos, Miss uh, Miss Bridget hitting the old, yeah, the old sauce. Uh, the whiskey, hitting the sauce. So the reason lady bootleggers. <laughs> <laughs> It's really, I don't, it's, it needs to breathe. It's smooth, but it needs to breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely needs to breathe. Um, the reason lady bootleggers were so instrumental in that very illicit enterprise was because police officers could not search them. Right. That was considered rude for a police officer to search mm-hmm. a lady. And so if you're a lady, you know, doing something illicit, you know, you might not get searched. Right. And I think at some point they even said it was illegal. Yeah. So, 
searching a woman who was driving a car alone was actually illegal. Oh, wow. So it was like a social moray. It was a a taboo thing to do to begin with. But especially if they were driving alone, you didn't have the right to search their car. So, hello, I would have a whole team of women who are hauling my my bootleg liquor all over the country. Well, what's interesting is how these women really made a rule that's like grounded in benevolent sexism work for them, right? This idea that, they like, really oh, did. like, you can't, like, you can't, like, you know, offend Ooh. this woman's delicate sensibilities yeah. by searching her because she's alone. And they're like, oh, cool. Let's cash in on that. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, anything that, like, that, like, be, like uses that in a subversive way, uses the rules it's that, like, are meant to keep women sort of in their Safe. place. You know, yeah. I, I love that. I think it's fascinating. And it, Minnick, who wrote this great book, like one of the leading and most recent books on women and whiskey, says that at one point, female bootleggers outsold men five to one. Wow. So, like, this was a real time for wealth creation for women in this tawdry, illicit, illegal industry. Yeah, so if, if that's the case, then, like, why do you think that we associate it so much with masculinity today. Well, those were women who were breaking the norm, who were taboo right. and were other, you know, for their industry, for sure. But I also think that over the years, especially in the 80s, right, the the whiskey drink was reserved for business dealings. Right. There weren't really a lot of women in the C-suite who were power brokers right. slinging whiskey around. That started to change in the 90s and beyond when more women were in positions of power. We think of the whiskey summit that President Obama mm-hmm. had with Mitch McConnell. Was it Mitch McConnell? No, it was the super tan one. Good Lord, what's his name? He retired because he cried. Boehner. <laughs> He retired because he cried. Well, he, he retired and he cried. It was a direct correlation. Like, once you cry, like, you gotta go. Free association. No. I thought it was really cool how he drunk right now, I think. You guys, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm such a lightweight. Like, this is not a can't, joke. Can't confirm she is. Uh, I may or may not be at least half drunk by now. I've had like three sips of whiskey. Um, it's good stuff, y'all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, not to hate on Boehner for crying. I thought that was actually ma- one of the coolest things he's ever done is cry in public. Often, which he did frequently. Yeah, he anyway, cried a lot. Can't quite remember if it was Mitch McConnell or him. Probably McConnell. I think it was. from Kentucky? Yeah. He's from Kentucky, which, by the way, is where bourbon comes from. Bourbon is the American uh, whiskey that's right. strictly American. So you know you're drinking American if you're drinking bourbon. Bourbon. That's the difference between bourbon and whiskey, which I did Primarily. not know. I've been... I've been yeah. Sort of lost on that for a while. Right. And it's it's ingredients and spelling can change in the word whiskey. And some of its scotch is made with malted barley, while bourbon is actually distilled from corn also. So it's not scotch. We're talking about whiskey. But in terms of bourbon, it's especially in the U.S. of A. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> whiskey. Oh, I think this is where I wanted to take a quick break. Anywho. Anyway. So I think it's fascinating to know... There's this real political and gendered history of, like, women and whiskey have this bipolar relationship Mm -hmm. over time. During and leading up to Prohibition, you know, only very bad, socially unacceptable women were associated with the liquor. And after Prohibition, it took, like, a long time for women to be in positions of power and then become more and more... um, you know, freely associated with whiskey. But it's still, like, that connotation of masculinity or bad women who drink whiskey... It endures. It endures. And I think what's cool is um, that's changing now, which we're going to talk about in a second. But also, that's not where whiskey originated from. Mm. Women were hugely involved in the original 
um, whiskey story in the United States. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from a quick water break. (laughs) (laughs) But in the meantime, let's hear a few words from our sponsors. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night, and it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played, hours. And uh, yes, I lost, but I had fun. We had fun. <laughs> well, obviously, it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code Mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halo. Between being on video calls all day, having to wear masks everywhere, and now using our eyes and only our eyes to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite brow products that is so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, have the most amazing brows ever. They have professional quality products at the perfect price point. Celebrity makeup artists use arches and halos because of how well done the formulas are, and they are half the price of department store brands. They have eight color shades to choose from, everything from sunny blonde to auburn to charcoal. Everyone is represented. They cater to women and men of all brow shapes and sizes. Embrace your natural brow. And they're all about individuality. Brow tools for all looks and style needs. You can use for dramatic or natural look. They have an amazing range of products, too, from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, gels, all kinds of things. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos Professional Brow Grooming. Be bold, be you. And we're back from a little whiskey break. I mean, water break. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I think is fascinating is that even though during and after Prohibition, this sort of masculine reputation and connotation has stuck around when it comes to whiskey, what's important to note that Fred Minnick, who is the author of Whiskey Women, the untold story of how women saved bourbon, scotch, and Irish whiskey, um, is that... In early colonial days, before industrial distilleries were popular, quote, women were the first distillers. And again, that's so interesting because, you know, women have been integral in the in the whiskey business for a long time. And like, it wouldn't be what it is today without women. And yet they we still sort of, it's still thought, thought of as very masculine. I know. Well, it just goes to show you how social narrative, like mm-hmm. public narrative, the stories we tell about Good woman, bad woman. Um, those are those they, are they are so powerful. enduring. Yeah, and like shaking that off. If something is associated with, with like bad women, right. that is like that will that has staying power. Well, it's a reframing of what whiskey means. Right. So in the prohibition era, whiskey meant prostitute. Whiskey meant bar, gentleman's salon, whatever you want to call it. Whis- whiskey was associated with sin. 
And if anyone's ever seen Guys and Dolls, I was in that musical rendition in my middle school <laughs> years. That what? was my introduction to Prohibition, <laughs> was being a background. What character were you? I, I was like, I had one line. Okay. I was like uh, one of the girls that followed Adelaide around. Okay. Um, man, that was a fun production, though. Shout out to South Windsor High School's, or not even high school, Timothy Edwards Middle School's oh. production. So here's the deal, right? So during Prohibition and after Prohibition, that was the association. That was the context that we gave whiskey. But back in the colonial days, whiskey equaled painkiller. Like, Yay. whiskey was a medicine. So women distilled in their kitchens, used whiskey as a basic household painkiller. So if you had a scratch or a sore ear or a headache, Minnick says, a woman would give you whiskey. It was the Tylenol or the ibuprofen of the day. And this is really how I, one of the ways that I'm really familiar with whiskey because I, I have... I, I even though I'm not a huge whiskey drinker, I always keep a little like maker's mark in the house because really? I do. Yeah, I do think. And there's like a, people are going to write in and be like, oh, there's no scientific evidence. I do think that if you're feeling sick, whiskey does help. Like if you have a, like a hot toddy, which FYI was a college nickname of mine because my last name is Todd. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I love that so FYI, much. FYI. Um, that's going to stick yeah, around. Hot let's toddy. Let's hope so. I have a Girl. shirt. I have a shirt that's air, it's airbrushed on the back. Ah, hot toddy. Send us your hot toddy swag. Okay. Um, I love it. But yeah. So, you know, if you're if you have a cold, you have a hot toddy. I had a toothache recently, a really bad toothache, no and way. someone was like, "Use a little whiskey." Like they say that, like um, back in the early days, this is a bad child rearing advice, but like when a kid is <laughs> they um, dip a pacifier, yeah, in whiskey. That's now child abuse for the yeah, record. Don't do don't that. Do that. Don't, do not do that. Don't follow that advice. But yeah, yeah, I think that people like I have been a long proponent of the medicinal and the like, household uses of whiskey. <sighs> There's so many parallels to weed right now that oh, I want to yeah. talk about, but we, we, this is a different episode. My mom, the registered nurse. Um, used to be given by her mother and recommend for me, like, whiskey as a cramp aid. So it was oh. connected to your period, really, as, like, and oh, again, I'm so sorry you're having cramps. Here's a little bit of whiskey. And it's so interesting <laughs> how, like, how like that is so feminized, right? Like, all, so of, feminized. These, all of these things is like, oh, like, a soothing cure, right. or like, a, 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 like, an aid for your cramps. Right. Like, it's so feminized, and yet still it, like, persists this myth of, like... Well, it's changed. Isn't that fascinating how, how like, totally bipolar our relationship with women and whiskey has been over mm-hmm. the years? So even though, like, you were considered basically a whore if you drank whiskey in the Prohibition era, in the late 1700s, American women were distilling so much at home that Fred Minnick is convinced he found the earliest form of dating sites <laughs> in old newspaper ads in which men would literally put out an ad for their wife. They would be, like, searching for a wife, like, in the classifieds. And some of them specified a preference for women who could brew beer or distill spirits. Of course, in addition to being able to make clothes and churn butter and all that good stuff. I love it. Isn't like that hilarious? If you're a woman who makes good whiskey, get at me, right? Like, I love that. I That's know. hilarious. Y- y'all, put that in your profile <laughs> in, on Tinder or on Match or whatever and see how, see how, if it still works. So, It's funny that, like, whiskey had this very domestic connotation for a long time until it was reversed. And we have been coming back from the Prohibition-era reputation that whiskey had of being reserved for gentlemen only for a long time. I think that's sort of fascinating to say that that's the moment we're in right now. For me, I personally got into whiskey while on the campaign trail, which, by the way, was dominated by men. Like, yeah. I had mostly male colleagues. So back in 2008, I first started to drink whiskey just straight up on the rocks or neat and discovered just how broad of a palate that 
liquor can have, yeah. right? It's not like this disgusting medicine to throw back. Not that not to critique you right, for right. shooting it, but like actually there is like you can, if you good have whiskey, a good whiskey, good you whiskey. can sip it. And I think like I, I mm-hmm. have a similar kind of um, take when it comes to whiskey and sort of the, the role that it's played in politics. Like I, really? I have this memory of. Um, when I was working at the New Organizing Institute, putting on a, a, a boot camp for um, activists and organizers on the left, one of our uh, trainers, who was just like high up, like ran this like very very important campaign, mm. came and like brought all the stuff to make like um, Manhattan. That's whiskey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like it's, it's like whiskey and vermouth. Yeah. So sure. like was like shaking out these like really fancy Manhattans as people were like cranking out their like activist emails. And I call funny. it like a grandpa cocktail because it totally has an old yeah, leathery masculine does. reputation. Um, but guess what, Bridget? Guess who's bringing bourbon back? Ladies? The ladies! The ladies! So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll tell you just how powerful the female demographic has been in the remarketing of, and the renaissance behind whiskey here in the U.S. of A. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes, and right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart and everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages and it was really convenient to have disposable products and we we just had a a lovely conversation. Um, It was really fun. Yeah, and I'm with the disposable products. I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers and traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinette products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. That's BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. So we're back and we are doing our research as diligently as we can here. To, sip, try, sip, sip. Yeah, to try and understand why and how whiskey has become just as popular as it has amongst women in particular. So in an article from NPR from 2014, so the Renaissance really started to take off around 2013, 2014, uh, it was reported that worldwide sales of American-made whiskey 
grew faster than any other distilled spirit in the past year at a rate of about 7%, which is huge. It is huge. According to people in the biz, um, in the bourbon biz. And Americans in general are sapping it up. We drink 24 million cases of domestically produced whiskey. Again, this is in 2013. I have a feeling the numbers are even bigger now. Yeah. Um, which is nearly a 30% increase from a decade ago. But notably, remember when we said earlier in this episode, like, people in positions in which they're brokering power agreements right. tend to drink this beverage, and therefore it would make sense that in the 90s and 80s and before, there weren't that many women represented at those ranks. And now There's, that, like, the right. women, women, working women have been in, like, other ranks of power, and so, like— right. It's increased. Yeah. Well, back in the 90s, only about 15% of whiskey drinkers were female. Now, uh, that represents about, we are 37%. Wow. So that's a huge spike. Yeah. Women be whiskeying. I know. Are we alone in this? I I hope not. So tell us, if you're a whiskey drinker out there, tell me what your favorite is. I remember when I was uh, consulting in a political environment. Um, It's so funny. This was 2012 now. I would on occasion have the so terribly difficult work of receiving gifts from some of my biggest clients or like some of my biggest vendors. I know. It was so hard. So the trend in DC in 2012 was cupcakes. Yes, it was. How many boxes of sprinkles cupcakes can a can a gal eat before you're like Kind of enough with the cupcakes. Enough with the cupcakes. And you're talking to someone who's got the biggest sweet tooth in the world. But I remember I was at an event with some of my vendors and clients who I was working with, and I, I kind of gave them grief for sending me another box of cupcakes. I was like, yo, you got to cool it with the cupcakes. So what do they do? They say, well, what do you like? And I said, I'm really into bourbon right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that next week in the office shows up uh, a beautiful globe glass of Ooh. Blanton's, which to date is one of my faves. Um, they could have done, they could have like really like double crossed you and made you cupcakes with whiskey in them because you can do that and them. it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. those drunken cupcakes. Yeah, they're right? delicious. Yeah. What a cool combination yeah. of things. It's like two of your fa- it's like. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. And it's sort of, I find it fascinating how much um, whiskey has become now this like cool girl drink. Mm -hmm. Is it it annoyingly meta for me to say that? Am I calling it? You're you're basically complimenting yourself. Humble brag. No, I I, I mean, I can dive into this a little bit. Like, certainly, like, you know, you think of women like Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. Mm -hmm. Um, Mila Kunis has a very, like, like, like sensual. She's the Jim Beam honey voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a very sensual ad where she's talking about, like, mm. the devil's cut. Like, you know, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and people think she's like the foxy. People think she's like a foxy babe. Yeah, yeah. she's totally she a foxy Shout babe. out to yeah, her. Yeah. Um, Hillary also of has course. known to sling it back, which yeah. is part of the reason I think the Rodham Rye whiskey got its name. Of course, it also came out after the election. So yeah. I think it was someone's uh, way of making the world just a little better. A little bit brighter for all of us whiskey-loving gals out there. And Lady Gaga and even Duchess Kate is known to like whiskey. So there's this connotation of high-powered women everywhere savoring their whiskey. But isn't it a little bit of like cool girl where it's like, oh, like... She's not like I, other girls. I'm not like other ladies. Keep your keep your like gin and tonic ladies. That's for that's for girly girls. Or like I'll have a whiskey. Apple teenies. Yeah. Remember in the 90s when like... Um, Cosmos. What Cosmopolitan... What was that show? Sex, Sex in the, the City. City yeah. Made Cosmos so big. And now this is like the anti-Cosmo. It's so true. I mean, is I, pitting women against women. And I, I, I always hate that. And also I'm someone like... Like I, so first of all, I'm a big drinker. I love to drink. Like not like not like in a problematic way. Although, Would you like to although like mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So I I just enjoy going out drinking, and I'm someone who like I'm 
I know a lot about beer. beer. I know I've a lot about this. beer. Yeah. I've like been quietly sitting on the sidelines of many a beer conversation. I'm like, uh-huh. I know a lot about beer. Um, but also like I so like I lo- I enjoy a fancy beer. I enjoy a fancy like cocktail. But I'm also like I could get down with like, you know, an apple, an apple teeny. Like I'm not above that. Like I just I don't like the idea of like oh, I don't like, like that either. Um, I have a funny story about that. Once I was in Vegas with friends, and there were this there was this group of like very like Vegas style like girl like you know like woo, woo girls yeah like woo, woo girls like a large girls. group of yeah. girls like out <laughs> on the town, and they went up to the bartender and they were like, "Can we get a was it um." RBC and the bartender was like, "What's an RBC?" And they were like, "Oh, you don't know? It's Red Bull Cranberry Vodka." And so we were like, "Oh, it's so like I found this interaction so hilarious." And so to kind of like, and this is like not, me not being a great feminist. Yeah, okay, I, was there judgment there? So I was like a little judgy. <laughs> so then making fun of these girls all night, we were like ordering this drink to be funny, and then later we realized we're ordering them because we like them. We're not. That's we're not funny. like it's. We started as like mocking, but then we were like, "Oh, these girls are like clearly on to something." I cannot get on board with Red Bull mixed with any kind of alcohol because that is an upper and a downer and my heart does not like you're that. You're like, a Red Bull belongs in the trash. Yeah, <laughs> like your heart does not want to play that game. But yes. No, I think, it, I think it's interesting as much as it is problematic to say like there's this Elite Daily article, which Elite Daily, I mean, gag. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I want to roll my eyes pretty much every time I click on a link. But I did it for the podcast and they have an article called 10 Reasons to Always Go out with a girl who drinks whiskey. And like whiskey drinking girls are so cool because they're not like other girls. And then they like sort of talk up the tomboy right. thing and how it's sexy and mysterious and all of these like bizarre connotations, which is basically saying, ladies, whiskey is associated with power, which is fair to say because right. that is historically true. So women who drink whiskey tend to be more powerful. But I think the better way or tend to like do so because there's this powerful connotation. But that doesn't mean Anything, actually. That's that's a connotation. It's a reputation. It might not be at all factual. The better way to do it is what Women Who Whiskey is doing. Like these clubs. Like social clubs for women. These social clubs for women who want to explore the... Um, you know, the the medium? <laughs> I don't know. Like, who want to get into whiskey? <laughs> Did you just describe whiskey as a medium? <laughs> as a medium for power broking? <laughs> that is the most DC thing ever. <laughs> um, but who want to get into whiskey but might be a little intimidated because it is kind of a bold drink choice. Um, They've got meetup groups. They've got a cool Instagram account. They've got like a whole community cropping up around women and whiskey. And my favorite part of the whiskey renaissance that's being led in great part to women drinking whiskey more than ever before is the fact that women are also stepping into leadership positions. Yeah, at distilleries. At distilleries and from an entrepreneurial standpoint. So we've got Becky Harris, the co-founder of Catoctin Creek Distillery in Virginia. Also, it's very much around the D.C. area. Yeah. I have to say, like, that is pretty cool. I mean, D.C. politics kind of, like, is, like, fueled by whiskey, I believe. Right. We've got Meredity? Oh, Meredity Grelly of Weigel or Wiggle Whiskey? Is it called Wiggle Whiskey? I would totally drink that. She's from Pittsburgh. Um, W-I-G-L-E, just to get that straight, whiskey in Pittsburgh. And we've got big name spirits companies are also filling top spots with women like Marion Barnes, um, the master taster now at Brown Foreman's Bourbon Whiskey Brands. Nicole Austin has found her niche as whiskey consultant. She's also the master blender at Kings County Distillery in Brooklyn. And we've got to give a shout out to the two female co-founders of Republic... 
restorative. Yeah, which is makes the delicious whiskey that we're enjoying today, Radam Rye. Right, which is run and owned by Pia and Rachel. So Pia Carusone and Rachel Gardner. And I love this article in The Washingtonian um, that came out, I think, in March, saying DC Distiller names whiskey after Hillary Clinton. And it's not just after Hillary Clinton, notably. It's about, it's her, it's named after her maiden name. Yes. Rodham, which I think is a power move. Definitely. Um, so they'd already been known to, and Hillary also has been known to throw back the occasional whiskey, so they came up with this idea for Rodham Rye, which they launched it around the inauguration, and I've been trying to get my hands on this, by the way, for a long time. Good thing you have a podcast now. I know. <laughs> um, my bias here is that, like, I've been trying to find a bottle, but it's been really hard to find, because it flew off the shelves, um, and it's not just named well, it's also blended well. It's a cool like combination of one-year-old rye and three-and-a-half-year-old rye from Tennessee. So it's the tagline is, a selection of whiskeys that are stronger together than apart. Oh, I know. Guys. And, the, and, and the best part is a 5% of their proceeds from the bottles go to Emily's List. I love it. So, so by buying a bottle of this whiskey, you're actually going to support um, pro-choice Democratic women in politics. This is my favorite way to support any women in via politics. whiskey yeah like I will <laughs> gladly um, get behind Rodham Rye so and I can now attest that it tastes delicious very smooth <laughs> and if they I, didn't and if, put us up to this for the record honestly if I'm saying that like I'm able to drink this and not think of the night that I ended my night vomiting because of too much whiskey <laughs> that means I really am enjoying it Profus- profusely um, well I think we've ar- arrived at the end here. I hope you've left with a, a greater appreciation. I certainly have with um, women's like fascinating historical relationship with whiskey and know that this renaissance of bourbon and of whiskey drinks here in the U.S., you know, in, or it is in no small part due to women. So women as consumers, women as distillers, women as leaders in large spirits companies, more power to you. Um, and really, in so many ways, this is us coming full circle when it comes to, like, women were at the at the starting block in terms of whiskey here in the U.S. of A. And we're back. We're just being good patriots. We're back. We're being good patriots. I love it. We would love to hear about your experiences with whiskey. Have you, you know, dr- have you been judged by drinking it? Like, do you feel more powerful when you drink it? Who are your favorite whiskey drinking ladies on TV? We want to know all of this and more. Snap us a pic of you drinking your favorite whiskey or your favorite bottle of whiskey. You can tag us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Um, tweet us about your whiskey habits uh, at Mom Stuff Podcast. Or send us an email just, you know, with your favorite, if you're a distiller, your favorite whiskey recipe or any combination therein. MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, of course, just like Bridget and I, we want to encourage you to drink responsibly. Oh, yeah, we should say that. Um, but drink boldly, my friends. So cheers to all the women who love whiskey. Rocker Season 2 is a raw, honest, strange, and entertaining story about finding yourself in your early 20s and a lifelong relationship with music. It's hosted by me, Chelsea Erson, and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and iHeartRadio. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality? 
at our inability to get basic things done, at the persistence of systemic racism, you're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.